Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Praise the Lord. All right, well, I'm so excited to be talking to you today about the resurrection. It's Resurrection Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. But today, I want to talk in particular about resurrection's reach. The title of my message today is Resurrection's Reach, because although Jesus rose from the dead historically 2,000 years ago, and everything about the Christian faith revolves around that historical act and moment, and we'll touch on that in a little while, Jesus didn't come to this earth just for him, for he to be raised up, for himself to be raised up. Jesus came to this earth to raise us up. The reason why Jesus came was to year after year to reach by the power of his resurrection and raise us up. He came to raise up people year after year, uh, uh, season after season. Jesus, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's still reaching, and he's still raising people up. Could somebody say amen? Somebody believe that today. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. All of Christianity revolves around the historical raising of the dead. But the purpose of Jesus raising from the dead was to raise up the ones that he loves. And he loves the whole world. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. If you're watching online, if you are in this room and you're here because you've been invited to dinner at Mama's, and, and mama said, please come to church with me. You don't really want to be here, but you're here because mama said, I love those holidays when people come because mama said to come and you're here. Welcome. Welcome at Kilpatrick. We're so happy that you're here. Amen. Come on, let's give him a hand. And you know what? You might be surprised by the fact that you're here not just because mama wants you here, but because Jesus wants you here. And he wants to speak to you. He wants to reach out to you because that's what he does. He reaches. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a story, not where Jesus was raised up from the dead, but where Jesus raised someone else up from the dead. Because this is where he declares what he really wants to do in our lives through his life. Amen. Through what he suffered, through what he went through. So we're going to be reading in John chapter 11. And I need to give you a little bit of background before we pull this up. And I got I to gotta kind of march through this story. But it's a very important story. There were three family members Mary, Martha, and a man named Lazarus. And Jesus had a relationship previous to this moment. Jesus had a relationship with this family. He loved this family. He was close to this family. When, when this moment uh, comes about, it begins with Jesus being away from where they live, and Lazarus gets very, very sick. And they send news to Jesus because by this time, Jesus had already been healing sick people. Jesus had already been touching people and transforming people. Jesus was already doing miracles. So they called upon Jesus, their friend, to come. But the way the story unfolds is that when Jesus heard that he was sick, he didn't go immediately. In fact, Jesus waited days before he went and Lazarus died. I want you to go home and read this story. And you're going to pick something up subtly that I want to just address up front. Can I tell you something about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? 
The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a very deep, spiritual, powerful, but serious thing. And it deals with us in very deep and powerful and serious ways. We have to get serious with God and honest with God. And so one of the things that happens is that Jesus waits four days and then there's this subtle blame and accusation as you're going to see. I want to just say this up front. One, Jesus waited days because he wanted to show people that it's never too late. Because he is the resurrection and the life. But more than that, one of the reasons why Jesus waited to go is because sometimes he has to wait. In other words, sometimes he has to wait till people get to the end of themselves before they finally reach out. Maybe you're here today and it's, you're finally at the end of yourself. And people say, well, why didn't you come? Why didn't you come? Maybe because he had to wait until we finally give up and say, okay, I'm ready to let you take charge. So that's the way, that's what's going on in this story. Jesus waits. He actually dies. He's in the grave. And now Jesus rolls up on the scene. And remember, I say this. I say this in light of the other verse in the Bible that says Jesus is the same yesterday, 2,000 years ago, in Lazarus' life. And today, everybody say today. today. In whose life? In, our, in my life. Thank you. Come on, brother. In my life. I hope that before this service is over, you can really say that. In my life. That's why he came. He came to reach with his powerful powerful resurrection love and power. So now we jump into the story and in, in, in John chapter 11, here's what it says. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. This is very significant. Back then, they would watch people for three days just in case they, were, they weren't really dead or just in case, all kinds of things. But they felt like on the fourth day, dead is dead. And so um, Jesus comes when everyone has said, this is finished, this is over. And he's been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary, which were her, his sisters, to comfort them in the loss of their brother. This is what we do when, when, when there's a loss. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. There it is. Okay, so what you hear is a little bit of a subtle blame. Okay, people like to blame God. They blame God because they want God to be the answer. Okay, so I get it. They blame God because they're, they're talking from a place of pain. They blame God because they're like, man, why didn't you help me? But we're going to learn, brothers and sisters, that we have to open up our hearts to him. We have to reach out to him. We have to invite him. Amen. You see? So watch this. It says, but I know that even now, God, uh, but even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So they believed that there, that people would die and then there would be a last day, a judgment seat before God. And when they, people stood before the judgment seat before God, everyone would be raised up. We're living in a day where people say that that's not true. We're living in a day where people say there is no heaven, there is no hell, but they did believe that. And guess what? We believe it too. Because the Bible declares it to be true. Because, because if, 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 if there's no life afterwards, if there's no meaning, if there's no anything, then nothing matters now. If nothing matters then, then nothing matters now. Have you noticed that in life? You live with purpose because life has a purpose and life has a meaning and relationships have meaning and people have meaning. How many believe that today? Amen. Otherwise, you just live for yourself. And how does that work out in, in your experience? So, 
She says, I know that again at the resurrection, uh, that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. A little more. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. So now Jesus steps in and says something that no one else said ever in history and no one else proved ever in history. He says, I am the resurrection and the life, which is very important to us. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. This is the gospel. You put your faith in Jesus. You say, yes, I believe that you're the one who, who says, and you invite Jesus in by his Spirit into your heart. It's that simple. That's the way it all starts, right with this declaration of faith. That's the way we start a relationship with God. How many know it's free? Salvation is free. A relationship relationship with God is free. Let's keep going. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now I'm saying, I'm going slowly because if you feel like you have a beef with God, okay, well, join the club. Join the club. But we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to recognize, okay, that in this life, God didn't raise us up to be robots. Men get to choose, and then they have to answer. People choose. We choose. We don't choose what's always best. That's the nature of humanity. To blame God for the choices of men is really ignoring the realities. How many have found that people do crazy stuff? They do, and we need to be honest about that. So then it says, it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and in troubled. Wherever you find yourself today, Jesus is deeply moved by your troubles. Okay, now we're getting to the real deal. Regardless of how it happened, where it took place, who did what, Jesus is deeply moved by your troubles. That's the way it is. It says, where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. God cried over someone's pain. God, the son of the, the king of glory, cried over someone's pain. If you want to know how he feels about your pain, he knows exactly where you find yourself today. Amen. Come and see, it's, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying again? Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there, everyone, four days. I told you, four days. They're like, se acabó, no more. <laughs> this thing is over. You know what I mean? And then Jesus said, did I not tell you? Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that if you believe, 
you will see the glory of God. Can I tell you something? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you put your faith in Jesus, you will see the glory of God. If you put your faith in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you will see the glory of God in your family, in your life, in your world, in your situation and circumstance. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. He spoke with the power and the authority to reach into a place of death and finality. And it says, the dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And this story is in the Bible because he wanted everyone to know that he can reach into your deepest and darkest grave, even today. Let's pray just for a moment. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all of my brothers and sisters online. Thank you for everyone that's watching. Thank you, Lord, for everyone in this room. Thank you for everyone at Kilpatrick. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we we now sit before your holy, precious, and powerful word. And God, we ask that you would speak to us. And God, I ask that you would speak to every heart, whether they know you or whether they've been serving you for many, many years. Jesus, would you be, Lord God, fresh life, fresh resurrection power to each and every one of us. Bless our time. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so simply stated, Christ came to raise people up, and no matter who's listening, I want to make sure that when you leave, you understand what that means. What does the resurrection mean? And I want to say in some, in some very basic ways. First of all, Christ came to raise people up from spiritual death to spiritual life. We are born dead in our, trans, in our transgressions. Have you ever noticed that no matter how cute those little babies are, like I got four grandchildren, have you ever noticed that you don't have to teach little kids to do wrong. (laughs) Don't touch that. What do they do? Beep. Right? There's something in us from the very beginning. We have to learn to do right. It's natural to do wrong. Right? No matter how cute they are, no matter how cute you are, that's the real deal. And part of the reason is, is that we have a fallen nature. The Bible says we're dead in our sin and our trespasses. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every person messes up. Every person fails. Every person just messes it all up. That's the reality of it. Jesus came to change the internal spiritual condition of man. He came to move us from spiritual death into spiritual life. When someone says, I've been born again, what it means is they invited Jesus by his spirit because when Jesus rose physically from the dead, he went to heaven, then he sent the Holy Spirit so that anyone who would open up their heart, he will come into your heart and that's what it means to be born again. Not physically, but spiritually. We can be born again and now we have spiritual life. That's why he came. He came so that you could have spiritual life. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a moment. Secondly, he came to raise people up from mortal life to eternal life. And what that means is there is a heaven and hell. There is a judgment. Don't talk about that. No, we got to talk about it. 
okay? We have to talk about the fact that everyone will give an answer. Every politician, every, every, everyone. People say all kinds of things with all kinds of authority, but I'm telling you right now, one day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And you know why Jesus died? He died to get us into heaven. Someone once asked the question, who gets into heaven, good people or bad people? Guess what? Neither. Only forgiven people, people who've been washed in the blood of Jesus. And that forgiveness is available to everyone. Everyone can be forgiven. That's why he came and died. That's how great his love is. And then thirdly, Christ came to raise people up from an ordinary life to the abundant life. See, there's an ordinary life. But then there's an abundant life. The abundant life means that you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then the fullness of the purpose of God, the fullness of the blessing of God, the fullness of the plan of God explodes upon the scene of your existence. And you start to walk and experience all the wonderful things. The Bible says, listen, the Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, the mind can't even conceive the wonderful things that God has in store for his people. Can we pray? Praise God for the beautiful, wonderful plan of God. His plan is beautiful and wonderful, and that's why he came. He came to raise us up. The thief, John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. The abundant life. That's what all of Christianity is all about. He loves us that much that he wants to give us the best life. He starts on the inside because you can only be the best version of yourself when you're born again, when your spirit is brought to life, and where there's this internal transformation. How many know, I, keep, I love to say this, when Jesus moves in, he, changed all, he changes all the furniture around. Your life looks completely different. Anybody can testify that you've been changed by the power and the spirit of God? That's why he came. That's why he came. That's why he's here today. That's why you're here today. How many would say amen to that? Now, the resurrection 2,000 years ago was historically true and actually has been debated a great deal. The opponents of Christianity, the opponents of Christ, know that if they can disprove the resurrection, they can disprove all of Christianity. And even the Apostle Paul wouldn't argue with that. Look at what the Apostle Paul said. He said, and if Christ has not been raised from uh, death, then we have nothing to preach and you have nothing to believe. So if Jesus 2,000 years ago didn't physically rise from the dead, guess what? I got nothing to say to you. You see? There's nothing to say. Because if Jesus couldn't defeat man's greatest enemy, his greatest finality, which is death, then how can he defeat our problems today? But here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, but the truth is that Christ has been raised from death as the guarantee of those who sleep in death. They will also be raised. We will be raised up on that day. How many would say amen? And I really don't need to spend a lot of time proving that Jesus rose from the dead because the proof is in the pudding. Okay, but let me give you a, just a couple of examples. And let me speak to anyone who's skeptical, or who, who's skeptical, who's a skeptic. That's okay. If you're skeptical of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're not the first nor the last. But let me challenge you with this. Any serious and open seeker of the resurrection will find what millions of people have found to be true all throughout history. In fact, historians have sought to disprove the resurrection many times before, only to eventually be convinced otherwise. 
Let me, let me give you a couple of examples. Right here in the, in the state of Illinois, there was the Chicago Tribune had an investigative reporter whose name was Lee Strobel, is Lee Strobel. And his wife had an experience with God. She gave her life to Jesus. And you know, he just couldn't, she was so happy in Jesus. She was reading her Bible and loving God and she didn't want to do all of those things that perhaps they used to do. She was just go, so, so like full of the joy of the Lord and it was driving him crazy. He said, I can't take this. These, these Christians, they believe in the supernatural. They're so weak. They need this. They need that. So he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm an investigative reporter. I'm going to prove that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And so what he did is he traveled all over the world. He went to, he went to the greatest experts in, in all of these different fields. And he basically, you know, when there's a court case, there's a, there are different types of evidence, corroborating evidence and on and on and on. So he went, he, he said, I'm going to build a court case against the resurrection of Christ. And after going to this expert and after going to that expert and after going to another expert, the news started to get difficult for him. And sooner or later, one day, it came about where he realized everywhere I go, everywhere I honestly search, the truth of the matter is, is not only can I not disprove it, I actually am starting to believe it. And he bent his knee and his gave his life to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And he's serving God today. And listen, and he went on to write a book called The Case for Christ. Go read it. It's powerful. Another man is named Josh McDowell. He actually preached here. And when he was in college, he was a very, he was one of those genius guys. You know, those people who just max out the ACT and the SAT. He was one of those like super brainiacs. And you know what he said? He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to prove that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And so he did a great search of, uh, in the, in, um, uh, in libraries that have all of the ancient documents and on and on and on. And after this extensive search, he wrote two books. One is called Evidence That Demands a Verdict and another is called More Than a Carpenter. And the day came when his name is Josh McDowell. He bent his knee and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He said, this guy was so much more than a carpenter. And can I tell you something? That book that he's written more than a carpenter. It's a small book. It's an easy read. Go and read it if you're skeptical. That book that he's written has, has been um, um, passed out. I can't get the word right now. Passed out all over the Middle East. And people don't know this because it doesn't make the news. But thousands upon thousands of people are getting saved in the Middle East because millions of copies of this book has gone out. That Jesus is more than a carpenter. He is the son of the Most High God. He's risen. Hallelujah. He's risen indeed. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Just do a serious search. A serious search. Not just because you're a professor. I have professors in college that would mock Jesus. Right? So just because someone mocks it doesn't mean that they are the supreme authority. Do a search of your own and watch and see. And I, I do want to say one quick thing. Uh, 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 just a little bit more about this particular issue. Some people somehow say that science and, and religion, and in particular Christianity, they don't match. But what they don't know, that from the very beginning, most of the early scientists were Christians. They were believers in God. And I want to read uh, uh, um, a quote to you from Kepler, who's, one of the, who's like the father of, or one of the fathers of astronomy. He said, when I study science, I am thinking God's thoughts after him. Why did he say that? He says, because when I look at this world, the world is so orderly and so organized. The world is not random. The world is so orderly and so organized that when I study the universe, I get to see the incredible designing mind of God. I get to see. In other words, brothers and sisters, science is God's gift of discovery to mankind. Every time uh, some scientist figures out what God did already, how he made something, it's just a gift of God to them. 
And I want to encourage you before we move on. Don't do what Voltaire did. Voltaire was a philosopher, French philosopher in the 1700s. And here's what he said in 1776. He said, 100 years from my day, there will not be a Bible on earth except one that is looked upon by an antiquarian curiosity seeker. Check this out. 50 years later, the very house he lived in and wrote in became the headquarters of the Geneva Bible Society. Don't do it! God has a sense of humor. Look, that's why he said, if you seek me, you'll find me. Even in your day of trouble, if you'll seek me with all of your heart, wherever you find yourself today, you could be in the worst situation. If you seek him with all of your heart, you'll find him. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. People say that Jesus has not been verified, but he's been verified. There's this thing I, I discovered in, in Instagram. If you have an Instagram account, um, people can copy you. I have an Instagram account, and numerous times I get a message from someone um, who will say, hey, is this you? Somebody's copying you. They, do, they, they copy you, and then they ask for money. Okay? Just in case, if you get a note from me asking for money, it's not me. But you know what they have on social media? Now, they have this thing where you get verified, where they say there's a, like a check sign or something like that that says, hey, this is who he says he is. Well, can I tell you something today? Jesus has been verified, and he is who he says he is. Come on, let's put our hands together and say, thank you, Jesus. He's verified. So now, let me just say two quick things to you about the reach of the resurrection and how that applies to all of us today. When you see this story, this story was put in the Bible so that we could understand that Jesus rose from the dead himself, but he wanted to reach with resurrection power. And what this story teaches us is first of all, is that the resurrection reaches your location. The resurrection reaches your location. What do I mean by that? I want you to think about the imagery of the grave. The grave is one of those places that has no other use but for the dead. <laughs> In other words, when you go by a cemetery and you see the graves and you see the gravestones, you know what's in a cemetery, right? Dead people. Dead people who are under the ground. And what Jesus was saying to us thousands of years before, and he's still saying it today, is he's saying, look, it doesn't matter. If I can reach into Lazarus's grave, I can reach into your grave today. How many believe that? I can reach by my power, even if other people say it's over. It's not over until I say it's over. And when I say it's not over, I can reach out and raise you up by my mighty power. In other words, regardless of where you find yourself today, you might feel like, I can't be reached. It's too far. There's no location that he can't reach. He can reach into the grave. Sometimes people say, you don't understand. I'm too deep. I'm in too deep. I'm in a gang. You might be a young person. I'm in a gang. I'm in too deep. There's no way that I can get out. Jesus can get you out by his mighty power. How many would say amen? I'm stuck in this situation. I'm bound by this drug. I'm bound by this habit. I, you don't understand. I'm in a prison. No matter where you find yourself today, I'm telling you right now, Jesus can reach by his power and raise you up out of that grave. Hallelujah. No matter what your location is, after many years of serving people, okay, close to 30 years now of serving people, 
One of the things that I've heard many, many times is this, is I'm just dead on the inside. Do you know how many times I've heard someone say, look, I'm just dead on the inside. You don't, you don't really get what's happened to me. I'm just dead on the inside. What most people don't realize is that when they say that, it's very spiritual. Okay, so please listen closely. You see, man is, part, is three parts. We're spirit first. All of that we're talking about is we're spirit first, then we are spirit, mind, emotions, a soul. Soul is your mind and your emotions. But your spirit is first. That's why Jesus reaches to our spirit. When someone is born again, remember spiritual life to spiritual death, it's because your spirit is the core of who you are. We are spirit, soul, and body. So, so the Bible teaches that when we go to meet God, so to speak, on that day, what the Bible teaches is that we're not going to get a, a new body. Uh, uh, we're not going to keep our, our old body. We're going to get a new body. And I'm really excited about that because this one has gotten quite rickety. But this is spiritual. This is deeper than your mind. This is deeper than your emotions. The spirit is the deepest part of who you are and only Jesus can touch your spirit and raise you up. Jesus, the Bible says God is a spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can really touch your spirit. Maybe you've tried doctors. Maybe you've tried therapists. Maybe you've tried meditation. Maybe you've tried medication. And you're like, it's not working. Let me tell you why it's not working. It's because even though those things are helpful, you might need a touch in your spirit. And only Jesus can reach your spirit. And Jesus can reach your spirit and raise you up by his mighty power. I am the resurrection and the life, he said. Maybe you're suicidal today. Maybe you're overflowing with a rage that you can't contain. And you're like, I wish. Maybe you, you feel completely empty and numb. You ever talk to someone, they say, I'm just numb. I have nothing. What you need is you need a touch deep in your spirit. And only Jesus can touch your spirit. Jesus is the one. History is full of men and women who were so far away from God and then he touched their spirit. You know, I had the privilege of meeting someone by phone only. He was in jail. But I had the privilege of meeting someone who was infamous in New York City. When I was 10 years old, um, this guy came up on the scene. He got the name the son of Sam. You may or may not know that, but if you don't know it, here's what was happening. A guy was just rolling up on people and gunning them down. And then he was so warped and sick that he would write a letter to the newspaper making fun of the cops and making fun of him saying, basically, you can't catch me. Okay, and he was gunning people down, and, and in particular women, and women with a certain color hair. So women were dying their hair. The whole city, imagine mighty quote New York City. It was gripped with fear. And I remember being ten years old, and as soon as it started getting dark, it was like time to go upstairs because the son of Sam. Who knows? It was in Queens. It was in. It was in. It was all over the place, and the whole. I mean, everyone was just terrified because of the son of Sam. But they finally caught him. And when they caught him, they took him to a prison upstate New York. It turns out that a guy who was, we love him so much, and uh, a guy who used to attend our church, he's not at our church anymore, but he was actually uh, at the same prison when he got arrested and he bumped into him. And when he bumped into the son of Sam, he said he looked at him and he went like this because he said evil was just reeking. It was just pure evil coming out of him. 
But even though the son of Sam had done all of that horrible, heinous stuff, there was a guy who had given his life to Christ. And when he saw him in the, in the prison yard, you know, when they go outside for a little while, when he saw him in the prison, he would go and talk to him about Jesus and talk. And he was like, would you please get away from me? You're driving me nuts. But he wouldn't stop because that guy knew that Jesus reaches. Jesus reaches by his mighty power. Hallelujah. He believed that Jesus could reach anywhere. And so sure enough, he gave him a Bible one day. He got so fed up. And that's why don't stop praying. Don't stop preaching. Don't stop loving. If you're here, keep telling people that Jesus reaches by his mighty power. One day he took that Bible and the son of Sam, his name is David Berkowitz. He was in his prison cell all by his, himself in that prison, in that grave, in the grave of his mind, the grave of his heart, the grave of his past, the grave of every wicked thing that he did. And he said, Lord, if you could somehow forgive me and have mercy on me. And Jesus met him right there. Jesus reached into that place and rose him up and he was born again and transformed by the power and love and glory of God. They gave him 300 years. And guess what? Today, he's a prison chaplain. He's preaching the gospel. He's leading Bible studies. I'm telling you right now, he can reach anywhere. Hallelujah. And listen, I know this for a fact because Pastor Simba, Pastor my, uh, my wife's dad and uh, my pastor, pastors the Brooklyn Tabernacle, somehow got in contact with him and I was at the house. One day when he called, Pastor Simla wasn't there. But guess who called? Not the son of Sam, the son of Hope. And he called and I pick up the phone and it was from the correctional facility because they tell you. And then when I got on the phone, I talked to him for about five or six minutes and I was blown away. He was such an amazing man of God. And he spoke to my father-in-law. I thought this was so funny. He spoke to my father-in-law and said, and he said, hey, I met your son. I, I like him. He's got a good spirit. <laughs> Thank you, son of hope. <laughs> he can reach anybody. Don't fall for the lie that says you don't understand what this alcoholism has done to me. You don't understand what I've seen. Maybe you're a hardened police officer. Maybe you've seen so many ugly things you've gotten cynical. And maybe you've gotten so hard that your family can't even reach you. Can I tell you something? No matter what you've seen, no matter what's happened, today he loves you and he can reach out and touch your spirit and transform your life for his glory. I think of years ago, there was a woman who came into my office and um, she said to me, she said to me, you know what? I'm dead. She said, um, I've done all of these things. I've done all of these things and I'm just, and she said, I've done all of these things because, just, be, just because I wanted to be loved. And I'm telling you, when she said that, I was in the office, you could hear it like at the front door. She just began to weep and wail the hurt, the pain, the past. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're in this room. Maybe you could relate to that young woman. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is reaching out to you. You know what? Today, she's married to a minister. Today, she's serving people. Today, she's probably praying over someone's life because Jesus reaches. Even though you're dead, Jesus will make you alive. Hallelujah. Only Jesus could do that. No matter what your location is. He waited those days because he said it's never too late. And I'm telling you right now, it's not too late. He can reach today and he can do the absolute impossible. One more thing and then we're going to close. He not only reaches to your location, but Jesus reaches your circumstances. This is subtle, but very, very important. 
You see, when you look at this story, Jesus rolls back the stone and he calls him out. But when he calls him out, there's grave clothes on him. Okay, look, look at what the Bible says. It says, Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. In the ESV, I, I wanted to bring this up. He said, unbind him. Unbind him and let him go. Because those grave clothes, they would wrap the cadaver. They would bind the cadaver. And now he walks out, but even though he walks out, he's still bound by the grave clothes. Can I tell you something? There's no way to live a normal life if you're wearing grave clothes. But Jesus wants to take the grave clothes off of your life. He wants to take off the things that bind you, the circumstances. Jesus came that you might have life and have life to the full. Not just be forgiven, but to be free. Not just to be free, but to be blessed beyond anything you could ever imagine. Some people could say, well, you know what? I accept that he forgave me, but me be free, me be blessed. Take off those grave clothes, he says. I want you to live. I came that you might have the abundant life, the life to the full, which means the power of the resurrection of Jesus is this. When Jesus died, he shed his blood. And here's what the Bible says. It says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sin. But because he shed his blood, it means that we can be cleansed. It means that when you meet Jesus, your past can be placed under the blood. You know what he says? He says, I'll remember your sins no more. What did Al Toledo do back in the day? You know what Jesus says? He says, I don't remember. What did you do when you come under the blood? He says, I don't remember. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creation, a new life, a new future, a new hope, a new peace, a new joy, a new blessing for all who will receive him. You're not going to walk around with grave clothes when you're walking with Jesus because he says, take off those grave clothes. That's what I love about serving Jesus. Over the years, do you know how many times we're not making altar calls right now in this post-COVID world? Not yet. But, amen. Um, amen. Uh, but do you know how many times I've talked to someone at the altar and their life was, has been smashed and crushed, and they're like, I have no idea. And I said, just watch. You have no idea, but Jesus has an idea. And we're going to talk six months from now. We're going to talk nine months from now. And you will be so transformed. And it's still happening to this very day. He keeps on changing and transforming people's lives by his mighty power. And he wants to do the same thing for someone today. It all starts with a relationship with God. And I want to close with the, a story I heard. I can't, I was listening to this novel, Christian novel, and there was a story here now. I don't know if it comes from a true place or not, but I want to tell you because I think it's so good. So there was a, a woman in this story, and someone says, How do you make it? How do you deal with this life and all of the challenges? How is it that you actually can stand and make it? And a lot of Christians get that question asked in one form or another. And she said, well, it's because of what I learned from my grandmother. She said, when I was a little girl, my grandmother, after she would cook these dinners, my grandmother used to always whisper to me and say, keep your fork because dessert's coming. Right? So she said, and then my grandmother, she was a real woman of faith. She's a tremendous woman of God. And she was one of those people. She actually planned her funeral. And um, some people do that. They know exactly how they want it. And so she planned her funeral and she called the pastor and she said, listen, when I die, I want to I wanna be buried. Make sure that there's a fork in my hand. 
and I want an open casket. And when people come by, I want you to stand by the casket. And when people come by the casket and they look in, they're going to look in and they're going to see a fork in my hand. They're going to say, why does she have a fork in her hand? Like, could you imagine? What, what is she doing with a fork in her hand? Okay. And she goes, and every time they say, why does she have something, uh, have a fork in her hand? Just know that's, that's your cue, pastor. And here's what you're going to say. She has a fork in her hand because she wants everyone to know that she knows that something better is coming. Hallelujah. How many know something better is coming and everything is better with Jesus? Simply stated, you accept Jesus, you just know something better is coming. Not just when you face God, but right here today, something better is coming. And I wonder if there's anyone here today You've never had that moment in time where what Jesus did historically, which was meant to do to happen individually, that never happened individually for you. For me, it happened on a baseball field when I was 17 years old. Everyone here, it was a different moment in time. How old were you when you gave your life to Christ? Seven years old. It does, it, some people, they're 37. Some people, they're 57. It doesn't matter. There's a moment in time because God didn't pass away and then rise from the dead for the purpose of us going to a building for religious reasons. Jesus died and rose from the dead so that you and I could have a personal relationship so that we would invite his spirit into our hearts and we too would be born again. How many would say amen? How many believe that today? That's, a, that's another thing that just blows me away. It's like, who, me? Maybe you're like, who, me? You mean me? Jesus died because he loves you. Who, me? Yes, you. He wants a personal relationship with you. He doesn't want to just talk to you through other people. He wants to talk right into your heart, right into your spirit, right in, right at when you're on your bed, when you're, when you're alone, when you wake up in the morning, when you're taking the, the bus to work, he wants to be right there with you. He's the friend that sits closer than a brother. And so there's a moment in time when he knocks on the door of our hearts and he lets us in. And I wonder if there's anyone in this room, if anyone there at Kilpatrick, anyone online, Come on, everyone, just close your eyes in the privacy of this moment. Is there anyone here today that while I've been speaking, while all of this has been unfolding, yes, I'm speaking, but you feel God speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is knocking at the door of your heart and He's trying to push you way past religious understanding. He's trying to push you way past the obligation of being in church. And He's saying, I want a relationship with you. And that's why you feel me and hear me knocking on the door of your heart. I want to reach your spirit. And I want to be with you forever. And if that's you, and you say, yes, He's knocking and I want to open the door. Anyone in this in this room, in, in Kilpatrick, right as you watch online, if that's you, it's as simple as saying a prayer, as making that declaration. But I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand. Come on. Is there anyone here? Yes. Thank you. Is there anyone here? Thank you. Thank you. Hands are going up all over the building. Thank you. At Kilpatrick, raise your hand. I don't see you, but Jesus sees you. Hallelujah. Online, raise your hand. The Spirit of the Lord is right there with you. Come on, raise your hands nice and high. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So many hands are going up. Now you can put your hands down and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Why? Because you've never done it before. But after this, you're just going to be able to talk to your Savior on your own. I'm going to kind of help you through this moment, but it's you talking to God. So I want everyone to repeat after me. I want, listen, I, I just need to, I want to pause for one second. I just got an image. I don't know, I just had an image flash in front of my spirit. I don't, you guys know me, I'm not, I don't want to be hyper-mystical, but I got an image of someone with their arms folded, like this. And God is knocking and your arms are folded. 
And maybe there's reasons for blame. Maybe there's reasons for hurt. Whatever it is. Today, Jesus is saying, unfold your hands and let me in. If that's you, you could pray this prayer with me. And as you pray this prayer, Jesus is going to come in. The King of glory will come into your heart. Wherever you find yourself. Office, bus stop, in a car, in church. So just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for this Resurrection Sunday. Today, it's become my day. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you came to this earth to die for my sin. You were crucified on that cross and you shed your blood so that I could be forgiven. Forgive me, Lord, and cleanse me from all of my guilt and shame. Thank you for taking my place. Today, I want to open up the door of my heart and I want to invite you in. Sit on the throne of my heart and be my king and my master, my savior, and my friend. Thank you for receiving me, even as I receive you. Amen and amen. No matter where you are, come on, let's put our hands together. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. I want to congratulate every person that raised your hand, whether you're online or in one of our buildings. God bless you. You have just become a child of God. To them that believe, He gave them the power to become children of the Most High God. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. They're clapping. They're shouting over the decision that you've made. He's in your heart and He'll be with you forever and ever until you see Him face to face. So congratulations and welcome. And here's what we want to do. We want to give you a gift. This is a gift that has a Bible in it. It's a box. It has some, a little letter and a couple pamphlets to help you start your new relationship with God. That's not only in this building, that's at the Kilpatrick building and online. If you're online and you gave your heart to Christ, text down. Follow those instructions at the bottom of your screen. We're going to reach out to you. We're going to get you that gift box because we want to, it's our token to help you start your new and the greatest relationship you you will ever have a relationship with Jesus. Come on, let's praise God for that. Hallelujah. And listen, we've got a lot of stuff going on after church today. There's a lot of exciting stuff happening in the tent. I want everyone to stand, but I want to make sure. Come on, everyone stand. Come on, levanta, levanta. Everyone stand right now and listen. Hold on one second. Listen, if you raised your hand, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want to make sure that you get that gift box. And in order to honor all of these different things that we have to honor right now, we're going to just let you slip out of your seat first. And someone's going to be there and hand that gift to you. So everyone who raised your hand, go ahead. Go ahead. You get the VIP treatment. You get to slip out first. Go ahead and slip out. Come on, let's put our hands together. Come on, Akil Patrick, slip out towards the back. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise God. Look, they're going right now. Come on, please get that gift from us. We want to make sure you get it. Hallelujah. And then here's what I'm going to do. I want to pray for every Christian. Everybody now look at me for just a moment. As they're slipping out, look at me. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know that many times people come to church on Easter Sunday or Palm Sunday or sometimes Christmas 
we affectionately call you our Christers, right? And um, we're so happy that you're here. But can I tell you something? You're here. And Jesus wants to speak tenderly, deeply into your heart and say, I want to rise or raise up my relationship with you again. If you're here and you're a Christian and you've been going through a battle and you've been going through a struggle, this has been a hard year, I'm telling you, don't miss out on the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Could we lift our hands? I want to pray for the touch of the resurrection upon every life. Father, we pray right now for every Christian here, for every family, for every marriage, for every mind, for every heart, oh God. I want to pray for those who've been away from you. God, touch them by your mighty power today. Quicken, oh God, quicken them. Oh God, from the inside out, I want to pray for Christians who've been struggling, oh God, who've been in a battle. God, we pray for the quickening power of God. We thank you, Lord God. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Reach out right now, oh God, and, and Lord, raise your people up, oh God, and we trust you, and we thank you, and we celebrate, Lord, the resurrection life. In the mighty name of Jesus, and all God's people said aloud, Amen. Come on, put your hands together.